Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. Good morning, Connect Church. God bless you. I'm excited to preach before you again. And um, just thankful for the opportunity once again to preach the word of God in general. And I'm thankful to your pastors, Frank, and my brother Dave, Lord, I love them both dearly, Lord, and I just, um, I'm just thankful for this opportunity. So uh, if you turn with me this morning to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, uh, before we get into the word, we will uh, have covering prayer. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity, Lord, we can... Uh, Hear your word, Lord, and read your word together, Father. Lord, uh, speak through me, Father. Use me for your glory. God, Lord, uh, let everything that I say, Lord, be what you want to hear, Lord God. God bless us today and keep us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. And it reads, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If I had to give this sermon a title, uh, when I looked at the sermon calendar, Frank told me to pick whatever I wanted. And I saw the type of uh, title that said mental health. So, um, if I had to give this a title, I would call it, um, I would say trusting Jesus with our mental health, trusting Jesus with our mental health. Um, his name was Charles Spurgeon. Um, if you already know who he is, then this is a reintroduction to you. Uh, Charles Spurgeon was an influential preacher during the 1800s, uh, known for his powerful preaching. And uh, because of his powerful preaching, he had the privilege to preach before large congregations, um, especially during his pastorate, serving as pastor at Metropolitan Tabernacle, where he preached to over 6,000 people quite often. And throughout his... Uh, his legacy, as I would say, uh, we have affectionately called him the Prince of Preachers, right? And uh, because of his influential preaching, because of his writings and his sermons, they continue to influence, influence us to this day. But one thing about Spurgeon that people know or may not know, uh, he struggled with serious depression. Uh, and the depression came from the many different things that happened to him throughout his life. Um, he, uh, when he was 22, uh, it's not a funny story when you actually think about it. Uh, he was preaching before thousands of people and someone played a prank up on him at the church and someone yelled out fire. And obviously someone yells out fire with thousands of people there. It caused a frenzy, uh, killing seven people and leaving 28 people severely injured. And unfortunately, that event traumatized Charles Spurgeon. And uh, from the age 33 all the way until his passing, uh, he suffered with severe kidney disease and severe nerve pain. 
And this physical condition was so bad that he could not do the one thing that he truly loved to do, and that was preach. To the point where he was only preaching one-third of the preaching schedule. He was not preaching as often as he wanted to. And added to that, added to those issues, the constant overwork of pastoring his congregation and watching over his flock, the guilt of the stress that he had and the guilt of not being able to preach caused more uh, uh, weight on the depression that he was already dealing with. And to top it all off, we all know critics were involved, right? Spurgeon had his critics who would publicly claim that his suffering was a judgment from God. So right there, I guess public shaming that people were trying to use to Charles Spurgeon. All of that added on to the stress that he had in his life, which caused the heavy depression that he dealt with often. And because he dealt with it so often, in one of his sermons, he actually mentioned, he said, you may be surrounded with all the comforts of life and yet be in wretchedness. More gloomy than, the, than death if the spirits are depressed. You may have no outward cause whatever for sorrow. And yet if the mind is dejected, the brightest sunshine will not relieve your gloom. There are times when all our evidences get clouded and all our joys are fled. Though we may still cling to the cross, yet it is with a desperate grasp. We need to understand that even through our suffering, even through our bouts and struggles with depression and anxiety and any form of struggle, specifically with our mental health, we need to remember that God has not forgotten us, that God is with us, and that God will keep us. And we need to cling to Jesus desperately. We need to cling to Jesus desperately. Depression and anxiety all fit within the struggle of mental health, right? The definition of mental health is a person's condition regarding their physical, regarding their psychological and emotional well-being. And we need to understand that at times we can struggle with our mental health, even when there's really nothing going on. Nothing that's really causing the problem. And even within uh, a, a Christian circle, sometimes we hear that if a Christian deals with mental health, it's because there's something wrong with their relationship with Christ. And I'll say that that's not always the case, right? That may be the case, but that's not always the case. Uh, sometimes mental health issues, uh, it's genetic, right? It's in the family line. Sometimes mental health most commonly is based on traumatic events that we experience. And that can be something to a bad breakup all the way to uh, a near-death experience. Anything, any event that involves trauma can contribute to mental health issues. But then there is where uh, our mental health is caused and has something to do with our relationship with Christ, right? If we, if we live our lives with unrepented sin and the lack of studying the word of God and the lack of spending time in prayer, we will deal with anxiety. We will deal with depression. 
And the reason why we deal with these things is because besides relying on God and seeking his face and spending time with him, we focus on ourselves. We try and do life without him. And what happens to that? What happens when we try and do life without him? Anxiety, depression, fear, different things that lead and cause mental health issues. So the only way, if this would be the one thing you can take away from me talking, the only way we can get through any issues with our mental health is that we need to stay connected to Jesus. That's it. I can stop right here. I'm not, but I can stop right there. We need to stay connected to Jesus. That's the only way we'll get through any of our mental health issues is if we stay connected with Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that we ignore all of the other practical things, right? Continue to see your therapist if you're seeing a therapist, right? Trust Jesus and see your therapist, right? We're not untouchable, right? That means we don't just do things that will, will uh, further cause harm to our mental health because we think, oh, I'm trusting Jesus. I'll be good. I can just kind of go through the fire. That's not necessarily the case, we can still do the things that we need to do. Still go to the therapist. Still talk to your doctor. Still have your time where you discuss and share with people. And you know what? Even though we trust Jesus, our uh, mental health issues may not go away. In fact, they may actually persist. But that doesn't mean we stop trusting Jesus. We must continue to trust in Jesus and trust in his sovereign hand no matter what. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, God is too good to be unkind and he is too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. So we have every right to say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing it. I don't know why I am struggling with my mental health. I don't know why I'm struggling with a lot of the issues that I have in my life. But I still trust you. Like Job said in Job chapter 13, verse 15, where he says, Though he slay me, I will hope in him. So even when we struggle with our mental health, we will, uh, there are things we need to constantly remind ourselves. We need to constantly remind ourselves who Jesus is and not get overwhelmed by our struggles. And as we go through Philippians chapter 4, we're going to see some uh, practical things that Paul says here. And so we turn. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church he founded with Silas in Philippi. While he writes this letter to thank them for their continued support for him, he is encouraging them to continue to make progress in their faith. Now, the Philippians are different than other churches that Paul founded. Uh, they're different from Corinth. And, uh, you know, they don't have as many issues as, uh, as, as that church. They were a thriving church, a thriving church uh, full with mature Christians. But Paul knew that they still needed to be reminded of their walk in Christ, that they continued to need that they needed to continue growing 
in their faith. So as we look through this passage, there are three things that we need, three things that we will read and three things that we will need to remember when we struggle with our mental health or really any other season of suffering in our life. Philippians chapter four, verse four. Here's the first point. Verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Point number one, when we're struggling with our mental health, when we're suffering in any aspect of our lives, we need to remember the joy we have in Christ. Remember the joy we have in Christ. Now, joy is crucial to the life of a Christian. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is dependent upon our circumstances, right? When everything is going well and going according to our plans, right? That's where happiness is found, right? We, we, we tend to have the pursuit of happiness statement. We see that a lot in, in different places, right? But really, if you think about it, the pursuit of happiness, which means the pursuit of a perfect life where all of the circumstances and everything in our lives is perfect without any flaws or issues. In a sin-filled world, that's not the case, right? So the pursuit of happiness is really a chasing after the wind. But the pursuit of joy, joy is different. Joy derives from our relationship with the Lord. That's why Paul says rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. You will never have true joy unless you are in Christ. I'm going to say that again. You will never have true joy unless you are in Christ. Our joy means that no matter what goes on in our lives, no matter how rough our mental health may be in this season, we can trust in we can trust in the one who holds all things together. We can trust in God. When life gets rough, we don't give up. We trust in God and we go on. We don't just stop. We continue on and trust in God. And I love what Paul says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. No matter the circumstances, we are called to rejoice. And we have the privilege to rejoice because of the hope that we have in Christ. Now, here's something that we need to kind of kind of kind of flesh out here. Uh, having joy does not mean that we ignore how we feel. Right? Having joy does not mean that we ignore how we feel. We are not robots. We have feelings. We feel. So tomorrow is Monday, right? Which means for many of us we got to go to work tomorrow, right? And I don't know about you, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. I'll be honest, right? And, and, and we have every right to acknowledge those feelings, right? You'll probably be the angriest person tomorrow because you just want the weekend to continue. We don't ignore those feelings. If you're in a season in your life where depression and anxiety is running rampant, don't ignore it and say, nope, it doesn't matter. I got joy. Don't ignore it. Don't sit in a burning building and say, nope, everything's fine. 
The building's on fire, but I'm I'm okay. Everything's good. That's not that's not being real. That's not being real. It is a true statement. We know that we have joy. We know that we can trust in God. That's the truth. And we can't deny that truth. But don't let what you uh, don't let what you know overshadow how you feel. I have joy in Christ. Yes, I have hope in him. But my heart doesn't feel that way. We can be real. But you know who we need to be real to? We need to be real to God. We need to take these concerns to God. Even though we have joy and we have hope in Christ, and that's something we, we can rejoice in. If our heart doesn't feel that way, no matter what, we must submit every feeling and concern to God in prayer. Verse 5, we continue. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Point number two, we remember to pray. We remember to pray. So in verse five, Paul is uh, laying some groundwork here, telling the church to uh, let their reasonableness be made known. Basically, he is telling everybody, uh, think of others, not just yourself. Right? Don't let little disagreements cause dissension in the church. Don't let little, uh, you know, be humble. Right? Don't let little arguments or issues dissent the church. He says, the Lord is at hand. By saying that, he is saying, Jesus is coming back soon. We don't have time to be distracted by little trivial disagreements. We don't have time to be distracted. We don't have time to lose focus. And he furthers that thought in verse 6, where he says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, it's impossible for us to be anxiety-free. It's impossible. As I said before, we're not robots, right? Anxiety is a normal human emotion, right? We're not robots. We are going to be anxious. When I touch my pocket and I don't feel my phone, my heart stops, right? I get nervous. I start to worry. When I leave the house, I drive, and then that moment hits me. That did I lock the door? Did I, did I, did I, did I turn the stove off? Do I have my wallet? If you don't feel the wallet, I start to panic. That means I gotta go back home, and I'm gonna be late, right? That's a natural human function. Anxiety. It's going to happen. But this is what Paul is saying about our anxiety. He is not saying you'll never be anxious. He's not saying that. What he's saying is he's saying that we do not let our anxiety cripple us. Don't let your anxiety paralyze you to the point where you forget who God is. Don't let it distract you from God. 
When we let our anxiety and stress take hold of our lives, we forget to trust in God. And stressing doesn't do anything but distract us. I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. He said it himself. He said, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? How is spending your life worrying uh, and being anxious going to add time to your life? We don't have time as it is. Everybody always says, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. And yet we have enough time to be anxious and worry and stress. Stressing about our problems doesn't make it any better. We're not helping God by stressing. All we're doing is crippling ourselves. So Paul says, don't let it distract you. Don't let your anxiety cause you to forget who God is. Don't let it paralyze you and your life. So, Apostle Paul, if we are going to have anxiety, if that's something that is going to happen in our lives, what do we do with it? What do we do with our anxiety? Let's look back at the verse. Verse 6. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. In everything is where Paul starts. Here Paul goes again. He says, in everything. And then earlier in the verse, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Paul's saying this needs to be constant. It's a constant thing. So he says, in everything, meaning every situation of our lives, no matter how big or small, we go to God in prayer. Bring every anxious thought and anxious feelings to God. Take it all to God. There is no situation too small. There's no situation that is small enough in our lives where we can say to God, I got this one. I got it. I'll take care of this one. You handle, you handle the big day-to-day -day stuff. I'll handle the little stuff. That's, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. I believe it is the, the sign of the mature Christian who prays about everything who takes every situation to God. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too big for God. We take everything to God. And then Paul continues in verse 6, and he says, So by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we are to make our requests made known to God. And how do we do that? We do that by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Supplication meaning a humble request. Right? Paul said that earlier when he was saying, let your reasonableness be known. Right? Let your humility show. That was amongst the brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, make it known to God. Go to God with humility and thanksgiving, showing God gratitude. When we pray, when we take our concerns to God in prayer, we humbly go before him with gratitude and thanksgiving, and we lay our concerns at his feet. 
We let him know every anxious thought, every concern, every feeling that we have, every struggle that we have. We lay it before him. Now, here's a question that is fair to ask. If God is all knowing, if God knows all things, why do I have to let my requests be made known? Make it, make it, make it plain. He, he knows about our anxiety. He knows about my depression. He knows my struggles. He knows my frustrations. He knows my issues. Why do I have to make them known to him? We have to understand that when we tell God about our struggles, it's not news to him. He doesn't go, Darrell, what? When did this happen? You ain't, man, I'm sorry. I wish you, that's not how that works. God already knows. So we're not, we're not surprising him with news. When we lay our petitions before him, when we tell God our concerns, we are acknowledging our trust and our complete dependence on him. We're letting him know. It's, with, it's a hard action. We're saying, God, I know you know, but, but I want you to know more. I want you to know all of what's going on in my life. I'm not holding on to anything. I'm giving everything to you. And what makes it better, he wants to hear it. He wants to hear it. Not only does he already know, he wants you to tell him. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it reads, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Even though God already knows, he cares. He wants to hear all about your problems. You're not bothering him. You're not. Somebody needed to hear that. You're not bothering God by continuing to go before him with your same struggles. You're not bothering him. So when we go to him, when we go to him with every concern that we have, no matter big or small, we go to God in prayer, humbly going before him with thanksgiving and gratitude and laying down our concerns before him. We're not bothering God. We're laying our concerns before him. We need to continue to stay in prayer through our struggles. And the final point right here, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Point number three is my last point. Remember that God is the God of peace. God is the God of peace. So here's the result. Here's the result of our thankful prayer to God. Here's the result when we lay our concerns before God. We get the peace of God. We get the peace of God. Now, the peace of God has a special, special trait, right? There's like a benefit that comes with the peace of God. Here it is. It surpasses all understanding. It surpasses all human understanding, specifically the mind of an unbelieving person. So the peace of God surpasses the understanding of the unbelieving person. Why is that? 
The unbelieving person's anxiety level is higher than the Christian. Because who does the unbelieving person rely on? Themselves. The Christian puts their trust in God. The unbeliever can only trust in themselves. And themselves, they will always fail themselves. They will always succumb to anxiety. When the believer prays and puts their trust in God, they get the peace of God. They get the peace of God where we trust in God who's in control of all things. I love what Dr. Gordon Fee said about the peace of God. He says, our prayer to the God who is totally trustworthy is accompanied by his peace. Not because he answers according to our wishes, but because his peace totally transcends our human way of perceiving the world. God's people do not need to have it all figured out in order to trust him. That's good. That's good. Even when nothing makes sense, even when things clearly look like they're getting worse, even when it looks like uh, th there is no end in sight, the peace of God will reign in our lives. The peace of God will reign in our lives. Verse seven, look what else the peace of God does. So after the thankful prayer, it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So the peace of God, it surpasses all understanding. This is what it does. It guards our hearts and our minds. It serves as a guard to every anxious thought that comes to our mind and then makes its way to the heart. It serves as a guard. It protects us. Uh, my family and I, we went to Georgia about, I don't know, about a couple weeks ago and uh for a family reunion and we said you know we're gonna spend the weekend down there and we said we'll fly instead of driving so talk about anxiety right i don't like planes you i, I was praying the entire time on the flight like that lady when she was doing the whole you know take the mask and put it i'm sitting there paying attention i'm taking notes i i you know i trust god but i'm i'm taking notes they're giving us instructions i'm gonna follow the instructions right so and, 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 and while we are on our way through the airport, one of the most stressful things before you even get on the plane where you have even more stress for those of us who don't like flying, uh, you have the security, TSA, are, are, are the ones who keep us safe in the airport. Now, as, as you continue on with security, man, it's just getting crazier with security. Right, you go in there, you gotta, you know, show them your, your 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 pass. You go in there, you take your shoes off, you put it in the bin, you take your your hat, whatever you have, your belt, your your wristwatch, your rings, jewelry, whatever it may be. Oh, take out your laptop. You take out the laptop. No, put the laptop in a separate bin. It's so stressful. The person in front of you is not paying attention. The person behind you is getting angry. Everybody's hot. Everybody's sweating. Everybody is stressing out. But here's the key thing about the TSA. Their main job is to keep us safe. When we go through those metal detectors, when we go through the line, when they say clear, all right, you come through and they do all of that. If they see something that's suspicious, if they see something that don't look right, they'll be quick to say, you, sir, you, ma'am, come with me. 
stand over here. They'll be quick to call us out. They'll be quick to remove any threat to the safety of the customers. Darrell, why did you mention the TSA security agents? I'm getting excited. Here it is. The peace of God serves as the security for us. Whenever anxiety starts to creep in, the peace of God moves it aside. The peace of God protects us. Whenever depression just starts to sneak in, the peace of God will say, nah, not here, not in this place. You are threatening the security of my child. That's not what's going to happen here. Whenever the devil decides and chooses to feed us lies, the peace of God says, uh-uh, not my child. This is a child of God. He's mine and you don't touch him. The peace, of God will, the peace of God will guard our hearts. So no matter the situation that you may be in, no matter the season of mental health you may be in, this may be a rough season. We had a rough season with, during the, the lockdown with COVID. And some of us are still dealing with that issue. Some of us may be struggling with a lot of other things in our lives right now. I want to remind you today that if you put your trust in Jesus, and stay connected to him. He will see you through. He will keep you. He will comfort you. He will sustain you. Now, I have to say this to you. I can say this because I'm leaving, right? I can say this to you. I'm not going to be here next week. <laughs> I can say this to you. You're not going to get through the seasons of life, of suffering and struggling, if you only read your Bible once every three months. You're not going to make it through this season of life if you come to church on Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it through those seasons in your life. You must desperately cling to Jesus as if you're on, I don't know, hanging on a cliff. You keep hanging on. You keep trusting in Jesus. You keep hanging on. You don't let go. Desperately cling to Jesus. And he will see you through. That's all I have for you. God bless you. Be encouraged, my friends. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters in Christ. Continue to trust in God. Continue to lay your concerns before him. Don't hold on to anything. Give it to God. And continue to trust in him. And lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your path. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your peace. We thank you for your guidance, Father, in every season of our lives, Lord, whether it be a really tough season of struggling and suffering, or Father, maybe we're on the mountaintop, Lord, and everything is wonderful. God, we thank you that you're always guiding us and you're always with us and you're always keeping us. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are suffering with any mental health issues. God, we lay them before you. And Father, whether you remove them, whether they stay, whatever the case may be, God, we trust you. We're right here, Father, with our hands wide open. We're saying, Lord, here it is. We lay it before you. So Father, we love you and we praise you and we bless your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. 
We hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day.